The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. struggle with Mitch at the strange farm we had found on the edge of the Argier Desert, Jet's helmet had been punctured. It was imperative that he should get back to the land fleet parked on the other side of the high sand dune about a hundred yards away. But his return was delayed when the man who called himself the Flying Doctor ordered us to board the sphere-shaped craft in which he had landed. However, on the way to the ship, Lemmy pretended to faint, and in the confusion, while Lemmy and I kept our guards busy, Jet was able to make the break and get back to the truck. Dressed as we were in our bulky spacesuits, Lemmy and I were no match for the four men with whom we fought, and we were unable to effect an escape ourselves. In fact, we were left with no choice but to enter the spherical ship, which rapidly bore us northwest toward the Martian equator, leaving Jet alone in the trucks with McLean, who still, in a mysterious hypnotic sleep, lay on one of the bunks in the living quarters. Hello, Polar Base. Landfleet calling. Come in, please. Polar Base to Landfleet. Roger speaking. Receiving you loud and clear. Oh, hello, Frank. Thank goodness you can hear me anyway. Have you been calling anybody else in, Skipper? Yes, Lemmy and Doc, but I got no reply from them. Where are they, sir? Outside or in the other truck? Neither. They've been taken prisoner and carried off in that spherical ship you saw on the roof of that city in the canal. What? Yes, Frank. And as soon as they entered the sphere, all radio contact with them was lost. Well, how did they allow themselves to be caught like that? Oh, we all were, Frank. Mitch as well. But who by? Well, that farmhouse you saw. Yes. It was occupied by a man and his wife who seemed to think they were back on Earth. Sheep farming in Australia. Mitch was with them and he seemed to think the same thing. But how could that be, Skipper? It doesn't make sense. Oh, I know it doesn't, Frank, but I haven't the time to go into it now. You must just believe what I tell you. If you want to help get the three of them back, do what I tell you as well. Yes, sir. Now listen carefully, Frank. Get number one ready, then head for here along the course that I'll give you. Very well. Fly along it as far as your fuel will allow, including a return trip back to Polar Base. If you see anything resembling that sphere or any place where you think it might have landed, report its position to me at once. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, I'll be traveling along the same course at ground level. Very well, sir. Now, keep in constant radio contact, Frank, and call me as soon as you've taken off. I'll be heading northwest from here in just a few minutes. That's roughly the course you'll fly to, but I'll give you a more accurate one later. Right, Jet. I'll get a crew together right away, but that'll leave only one man here at base. Well, that can't be helped, Frank. Unless we get back some of the men we've already lost, we'll have nobody left to run anything soon. Yes, sir. I'll call you the moment we leave the ground. McLean. McLean, can you hear me talking to you? I hear you. Do you know who I am? What are your orders? Orders are that you get off that bed. Do you hear me? Get off that bed. That's it. Now listen carefully. You're to leave this truck and go into the next, into the driving cabin. Once you're there, you'll switch on the truck-to-truck radio and seat yourself in the driving seat to await further orders. Do you understand these orders? I understand them. And orders must be obeyed without question at all times. See that they are. Now leave this cabin and go into the next truck. Uh, oh. What are you doing? Uh, when he's in this 
estate. Doc's not the only one who can control him. How about your suit, McLean? I do not need a suit. To me, the atmosphere is perfectly breathable. It's going to the airlock anyway. Oh, let's hope this works. It's got to work. Now he's opening the main door. And he's going outside. Oh, let's hope he doesn't take the chance to escape. Hello, McLean. Hello, McLean, can you hear me? suit on, how could he? Well, there he goes, walking over to the next truck and letting himself in. He's doing exactly as I tell him at the moment. But if he receives orders from anywhere else, goodness knows where we'll end up. I am now in the driving cabin. Orders have been obeyed. Good. Now switch on the motor. Motor on. In a few moments, I'll be driving this caravan along the course towards the northwest. I want you to follow it until further orders. And keep close behind me. Is that clear? Orders understood. Fine. Now, are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's go. Hello, Polar Base. Land fleet calling. Come in, please. Hello, Skipper. Grimshaw here. Oh, hello, Grimshaw. Where's Frank? Oh, he's busy getting the ship ready, Skipper. Shall I get him? No, no, there's no need. Just tell him the two caravans are now underway. I'm in the first and McLean is driving the other. Yes, sir. I shall proceed at maximum rate and expect number one to fly over me on his way out. Yes, sir. That's all, Grimshaw. Thank you. And tell Frank to tolerate no delay in getting that ship ready. Every second counts. Oh, you bet I'll tell him. We'll call you later, Skipper. Good. Thank you. And so Jet set out in what could only have seemed a hopeless search for Lemmy, Mitch, and myself. All morning, with McLean following close behind, he plowed his way through the pink sand on a steady northwesterly course in the direction the sphere had taken. As he passed by the farmhouse, he was greeted with a round of shots from one of the windows. It was the sheep farmer's parting gesture. If he thought he could prevent Jet's departure by this method, he was very much mistaken, for the bullets from his gun were certainly not powerful enough to penetrate the tough if light outer skin of the land fleet vehicle. An hour later, the farm was out of sight, and for the first time since we got underway, Jet had a call from Polar Base. Hello, Jet. Frank Rogers calling. Oh, hello, Frank. We've taken off, sir, and are heading in your direction now. Good for you. Should be flying over you in a couple of hours. You're quite clear about what you're supposed to do. Yes, sir. Don't worry. We understand it perfectly. Incidentally, sir, we now find we have enough fuel for a flight of 2,300 miles maximum. That should take us a considerable way beyond you and back to base again. Very well, Frank. I'll keep a lookout for you. Frank's speed in the freighter was, of course, far in excess of Jet's along the ground. And little more than an hour after Jet had spoken to Frank, the huge freighter passed overhead. And within a few moments had become a mere speck on the horizon in the direction the sphere had taken. It was about then that the sphere in which Lemmy, Mitch, and I were traveling... Mitch in the lower cabin and Lemmy and I in the upper one reached the city of Lacus Solus, the great oasis where a number of canals crossed each other. What kind of place is this, Doc? And look at the size of it. It makes the other city we saw look like a back street. It's composed of a great number of pyramids, Lemmy, with wide streets running between them. And the biggest pyramid of all is in the middle of the lot. Yeah. This must be the Martian capital. 
Hey, Doc, do you think it's populated with people brought from Earth or the real Martians live down there? We're much too high to see people of any kind, Lemmy. Oh, we won't be for long. Not at the rate we're descending. Hello, up there. Hey, there's that quack doctor calling from downstairs. This ship must have some kind of intercommunication system. Well, if it has, I didn't see any sign of it. Of course we can hear you. And if we could find any instrument to talk into, you might get a reply. You don't have to find anything. Just talk, that's all. Oh. We're about to land. Orders are that you come down to the lower cabin immediately. Orders? Who do you think you're talking to? Quiet, Lemmy. Hello, this is Matthew speaking. Orders, did you say? You heard. The door will be open and you will come down. But supposing we don't choose to come down? The orders have been given and orders must be obeyed. But our question at all times. times. We know all that, but we're not used to taking orders from anybody but Jet. And he doesn't happen to be here. You mean you are still able to resist orders? What does he mean by that, Doc? I know exactly what he means. You do? That noise we heard, Lemmy. It was supposed to stupefy us put us under the control of that flying doctor so that whatever he ordered us to do, we'd do it. Oh, like McLean, you mean? Yeah, but it didn't work. First, because I seemed to be immune to it anyway, and second, because you fought against it and overcame it. Oh, so that was his little game. That was why he sent us up here, apart from the others. Yeah, and that's why he didn't send Mitch up here either, because he's already been treated. You mean Mitch will do whatever that doctor bloke tells him? All right, you needn't discuss it any further. Not the first case we've had of this kind. They won't make any difference. Any difference to what? To your future. When you know a little more about this place, you'll be glad enough to submit to any treatment. We don't intend to submit to anything from you or anybody else. That remains to be seen. But meanwhile, if you won't take my orders, I suggest you take my advice. Come down here as soon as we land. And don't forget to put your helmets back on, or you won't get very far. Did he think we'd go without them, then? Yeah, Lemmy, he probably did. If we'd been in the condition he expected us to be, I'm sure we wouldn't be needing the helmets. Now, come on, put your headgear on. We must be almost down to ground level anyway. Meanwhile, we have to go along with And you. meanwhile, you might remember that every word you say can be heard. Oh. Gentlemen, if you're all set, let's go. Where to? Down to the other cabin for a start. And we'll all be together again. Not the way I was expecting, but we're all here anyway. What do you mean, not the way you was expecting? I thought we might have had the pleasure of all at least looking like normal human beings. But if you two prefer to remain as you are, you still have to wear those monkey suits. And that's a pity, because new personnel arriving here in an unconditioned state can often upset many of the others. And what about Mitch? He's supposed to be normal, I suppose. On this planet, he is. Doctor, would you mind telling us exactly what is happening and where we are going? Sorry, gentlemen, I wish I could. Merely carrying out my orders to condition you and bring you here. But we're not conditioned, not Doc and me. No, but at least you're here. It hasn't been a bad haul, really. You two, the two gentlemen who are now my assistants, Mr. Mitchell and the one you call McLean. McLean? But he's back in one of the land trucks with Jeff. At the moment, yes. But his orders were to bring Mr. Morgan here, and I've no doubt he will. When orders are given, they're always obeyed. And after Mr. Morgan, there aren't many of you left, are there? Arthur? We know a good deal, Dr. Matthews. We knew when you left the moon of the scheduled time of your arrival here on Mars. Mars? Then this is Mars. You admit it. To you, of course. But why to us? And if this is Mars, what are you? 
Why do you go around telling everyone else you're a flying doctor in Australia? Because, Mr. Barnett, there happen to be a lot of Earth men and women living in the Aguirre Desert who believe they are in Australia. We like them to feel at home. like them to think they're surrounded by the things they're used to. And unlike you and Dr. Matthews, they're all very happy with the arrangement. But here they live under an illusion the whole time. Even on Earth, millions of people live under an illusion, often for the whole of their lives. Well, you haven't illusioned us. No, and more's a pity. You might have been a lot happier if we had. Hey. Now, how about going downstairs? The rest are waiting. One moment. You said you knew our scheduled time of arrival here. How? All information was passed to us at regular intervals. By Whitaker. That's right. Of course. Pity about him. He was very valuable to us. We could get him to do almost anything. So Whitaker was one of you? Yes, since 1924. Before then, he was on Earth. Leading a normal, dull, earthly life. At least we gave him something to live for, something to achieve. And look how he ended up. Yes, we hadn't allowed for Peterson. Well, what do you mean? With the exception of yourself and Peterson, there wasn't a man in the fleet that Whitaker could not have controlled. Could not, given a time, have brought completely under his own influence. So that's why we had all them nightmares whenever he was around. Yes, easier to get control of a subject once he's asleep. But if they won't sleep... Now, let's go downstairs. Just a minute. Well... Where did you come from? From Earth. How long ago? Fifteen years. Until then, I was what I now pretend to be, a flying doctor in the Australian bush. But the way you talk, you might be a Martian. I decided a long time ago that there's no point in fighting the inevitable. I threw in my lot with them. As a trained doctor, I have a way with people. Might be a bit rough and ready, but it serves. I'm a go-between, between them and the people who've been brought here. I see to it that their illusion, as you call it, is not shattered. Them? Who are them? The Martians. For whom and by whom the rest of us exist up here. But who are they? What do they look like? I wouldn't know. I've never seen them. Oh. Doctor, supposing you had a chance to go back to Earth, would you go? What prospect is there for me if I return? But how much longer do you expect to remain as active as you are now? I don't know. I do know that in the city of Orpha, the people who came here from Earth during the opposition of 1879. The opposition? Of what? The opposition of Mars, of course. When it is close to the Earth. That is when our ships leave to pick up new personnel. Approximately every 15 years. Of course. Whitaker in 1924, that sheep farmer and his wife in 1939. And I expect we'd find people on this planet brought here in... 1896, 1909, 1956... And 1971. Yeah, and we, the clever lot, we brought ourselves there. And you were the first. The others came by the usual method, as I did. How did it happen? In those days, there were lots of reports of flying saucers being seen, particularly in America. Yeah, that's right. I remember when I was a kid, a fellow in California wrote a book about it. Said he'd not only seen a flying saucer land, but he'd actually spoken to one of the crew. That's right. And a lot of eyewash, or so I thought at the time. And then I saw one myself, actually down on the ground in the Simpson Desert, west of Bandema. Go on. And actually, I was curious and approached close enough to photograph it. Then the door opened and a man came out. He spoke good English, invited me to look around. Five minutes later, it took off with me inside it. And now I'm here. I do as they tell me and make the best of it. If you take my advice, you'll do as I've done and do as you're told. There's no escape. Neither you nor your freak will ever get back to Earth. 
Now, is there anything else? No, I, uh, I think that's enough to be going on with. Thank you. Very well. Let's go down, shall we? All right, Lemmy. Down you go. Thank you, gentlemen. Gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind stepping outside, I'll take you down to the intake section. You'll be categorized for the work most suited to you. Work? You don't think this is a free hotel, do you? Once you're here, you have to work for your keep. What's that? That is something I don't decide. But you're more fortunate than most people. You're all very skilled in your own particular professions and should be very useful to us. Your long stay could be extremely pleasant. Who are you kidding? Come over here to the terrace walls. Well? Look down at the city. What do you think goes on down there in all those buildings? How should we know? Well, I tell you. Each pyramid is a little city within itself. Has its own citizens. A couple of hundred in each. Whether they're domestic staffs and their own medical staffs and directors of culture, leisure and sport. Our aim is to see that every worker is happy, well-fed, properly trained and highly efficient. Sounds marvellous. Just like a colony of ants. What are they working for? To go back to Earth, eventually. Hey, For nearly a hundred years, they have worked to that end. When they return, they will carry the true Martians with them in the largest space fleet the universe has ever seen. You, you mean they're building a space fleet to, to invade the Earth? Mars is a dying planet. If its inhabitants are to live, they must move elsewhere. The nearest and best place for them is the Earth. And what about the people who already live on the Earth? And the people brought up here from Earth? What about them? They will be rewarded for their part in making the invasion possible. And how long before this invasion is possible? The next close opposition. 1986. That should be the beginning. Good grief. So you see how important it is that none of your expedition gets back. It's all too... horribly clear. If the Earth knew what was in store for them, they might make preparations to resist. And what's that? Sounds like a plane of some kind. Hey, Doc! Doc, look! It's one of our fighters! It's number one! Wait! I've got to get you down to the intake section right away. What's the hurry, mate? Do you think Frank might see us? Come on, do as you're told. Head down those steps to the next terrace. Not on your life. Are you going voluntarily, or do I have to force We're you? We're not with the congestion. You know, you lay one hand on me, I'll give you a right hand. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Climbing, Doc, he went over the wall. Straight down to the next terrace. It was a lucky blow, Lemmy. Come on. Lucky? I might have killed him. Look at him. He's just right there and he don't move. Come on. We haven't got time to worry about him. We've got to get away before someone else comes up here. Hey, what's going on out there? It's Mitch. He's come out of the sphere to see what the ruckus Keep was about. Keep him away from the wall, Lemmy. Don't let him look over. Yes, Doc. What's going on? Where's the doctor? Uh, 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 Mitch. Well, he, he's, uh, he's gone down to the next terrace, Mitch. He, he says we're to wait in the sphere until he gets back. And what was that flew over just now? It was pretty low, wasn't it? Not as low as we would have liked. What? Hey, it sounds like it's coming back again. Yeah, it seems to be pretty interested in this part of the world, doesn't it? Hey, Doc, Frank must have seen us. And he is low this time. Frank! It's not like he's moving at all! Number one. Traitor number one. Hey, Doc, did you hear what he said? Mitch! Mitch, do you recognize that ship? Does it mean anything to you? I don't know. I... 
Never saw a plane of such size. Yet it seems vaguely familiar. Has its picture been in the paper or something? It certainly has, but not on this planet. On this planet? Mitch, go back into the sphere. But, but... The doctor told you to wait there, didn't he? I'm... I'm all mixed up. Hey, what place is this? It, it's not Adelaide, is it? No, Mitch, no. Now get back to the sphere. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd better. All right, Lemmy, come on. Where are we going? We're getting into that sphere, too. This is our chance to escape, to get back to Jet at least. Hello, Jet. Number one calling. Hey, listen, that's Frank calling Jet up on the radio. And we can hear him. Hello, Frank. Hello? Hello, Jet. Will you repeat that, please? It wasn't Jet, Frank. It was me, Lemmy. Hold it, Jet. Will you? I could have sworn I heard Lemmy's voice, sir. It's pretty strong, too. I couldn't hear what you said. Hello, Lemmy. Come in, please. Hello, Frank. It was Lemmy you heard. And this is Doc. We can hear you, but not Jet. Can you hook us up, please? Yes, Doc. You bet I can. On the roof of the highest pyramid. You just flew over it. Hello, Doc. I can hear you now. What pyramid? In the Lacus Solis jet. A whole city of pyramids. Lemmy, Mitch, Dobson, Harding, and I, and the sphere we came in, are up here on the roof. A whole city, did you say? Yes, mate, and we've got to get out of here and get back home. Quick, the Martians are planning to invade the Earth. They're what? And they've got some happy little ideas lined up for us it's and all. true, Jet. Stay away from this place, whatever you do. Yes, mate, if they get you, you've had it. You might never get back to Earth again. And yet, watch McLean. He's been instructed to bring you here. But he does everything I tell him. Well, watch out for him just the same. The Martians aim to get us all, to prevent our warning Earth of their intentions. Doc, look, are you quite sure you haven't been conditioned? Oh, blimey, might do us a favor. Do we sound as though we have? Jet, you must believe us. Let me tell Frank the whole story and have him relay it to the rest of the fleet in free orbit so that they can tell Earth. Well, that's better than being caught on the hop, and it? We must tell control at least, Jet. What they do after that is their concern, but at least we'll have done our part. Very well, Doc. Go ahead. Uh, Frank, did you hear that? Yes, sir. Then hook Doc up. Right. I'll call you as soon as I've established contact. Jet. Yes, Doc? Where are you now? Still crossing the Argier Desert in your direction. Well, don't. Stay where you are. If Frank has enough juice, he can drop down and pick you up. Take you and McLean back to Polar Base. Yes, but what about you and Lemmy and Mitch? With luck, we might make it. But we'll have to hurry. I'll say Hey, Doc, what? look. Coming up the steps. Four men into the sphere. Quick, Lenny. They'll just come in there after us. Go on. Yes, Doc. Hello, Doc. What's happening? Don't worry, Jet. I'll call you again later. Keep listening out. Right. Come on, Doc. They're running now. Be right with you, Lemmy. There. Yeah. And how do we close the perishing door? We haven't a clue how this ship works. We haven't, Lemmy. But Dobson and Harding have. Yeah. Dobson, close that door. Will they take orders from you? We'll soon see. Close the door, Dobson. Oh. <laughs> and only just in time and all. Now what? We'll get them to take us off, Lemmy. Here, what's going on? Where's the doctor? Why did he shut him out? Sit down, Mitch, and keep quiet. Hello, Jet. Not before you tell me what's going on. Hello, Frank. Sit down, Mitch. We're all hooked up now, Skipper. Doc, go ahead just as soon as he likes. Did you hear that, Doc? Go ahead. Thanks, Jet. Oh, no. Listen. Look, we ain't got enough trouble yet. Must be their way of trying to stop us taking off. Trying to put us to sleep, you mean? You must fight it, Lemmy, as you did before. Yes, Doc, I will. Whatever happens, I must not go to sleep. Whatever happens... Hello, Doc. Go on. Frank is waiting. Hello, Frank. Can you hear me? <sighs> Lemmy, you must not go to sleep. Hey, what was that, Doc? That wasn't me, Doc. That was Mitch. Mitch. And Dobson. Oh, good grief. Dobson, take the ship up immediately. Take off and return to the Argear Desert. Do you hear? Aye, aye. Something's happening. And whatever happens, I must not go Hello, to sleep. Frank. Frank. Hello. Doc, Mitch is out, asleep on the floor. Hello, Frank. Hello. Uh, hello, Doc. Jet, what is it, 
Frank. What's wrong? I don't know. There's that peculiar noise, and I, I feel so sleepy. Frank, you must fight it. You must stay awake. I'm trying, Doc, but the ship... She... What about it? She doesn't seem to respond. I can't control her. Oh, no. Take a hold of yourself, Frank. Frank, do as Doc says. You must stay awake. But we're off. Doc, we're taking off. And for Dobson, and this is a time to go to sleep. Get over there, Lemmy. See if you can control her. Me? What a hope. Go on, Lemmy. Yes, Doc. Hello, Jet. Doc. Yes, Frank? It's no good. We're losing height. I can't control her. You must, Frank. We're almost on the deck now. Here we go. Frank. Frank, answer me. Hello, number one. Hello. What is it, Doc? Frank. He must have crashed. <laughs> In episode 18 of Journey into Space, you heard Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs and John Casabon. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.